You're listening to Zap Night, a video game review podcast, with your host Danny and Kaylee. Hey guys, and welcome to Zap Night. I'm your host Danny, and uh, Kaylee is out this month, so uh, I'm here with a special guest, Sean. Hey guys, how's it going? Today we're reviewing Legend Dragoon. Legend Dragoon was originally developed by Sony Entertainment for the Sony PlayStation in 1999. It was released in 2000 North America. I actually bought it on release day. I I, think I did too, actually. Did you? Yeah. I had gotten a bunch of money from my dad because I sold some Pokemon cards. I had like 200 bucks and I went to the store because I wanted to buy a game and this one was sitting there. I'm like, I haven't seen this before but i just grabbed it because it looked cool and turned out to be an awesome game so uh again sony playstation one um it was re-released a little bit for uh like psn but otherwise it hasn't really been like remastered or anything uh there was a sequel that was planned and started development for a few years but it ended up getting canceled for no real reason they just the team members ended up moving to different projects and it just never got finished which is really sad it could have been an awesome sequel yeah that would have been great normally we don't go over like the entire story but i felt like the story was such a highlight of this game and you could really tell that there was a lot of effort put into it that i'm kind of going to go over the entire story at least As best I can. I made myself a ton of notes, so hopefully we can get through the story okay. So, you start off with your main protagonist, Dart, being chased by a dragon. And this dragon, which... The dragons, I didn't think, looked like dragons. They're more like large insects. (laughs) Yes. Um, So, he's being chased by a dragon, and he gets saved by this random girl, who we find out later to be Rose... And uh, she doesn't really stick around. She just kind of sees him out in the woods, saves him, and goes about her own business. She does, however, manage to tell him about um, his town in Sales. Is that how you would pronounce it? Sales? Uh, Sellis. Sellis. Yeah, I don't know either. It. These games at this this era of games, it's like a lot of these words and names. You're kind of left to your own best judgment. Sellis was uh, getting attacked. And that's actually, it's Dart's hometown. So he runs back and uh, finds out that his like childhood friend, Shauna, had been captured and kidnapped and was taken to Helena Prison. So he sets off for this prison to track down Shauna. And he runs into Lavitz, who is a knight of the Bale Kingdom. Dart and Lavitz meet up. They go and rescue Shauna together. They end up escaping from the prison. They make their way back to Lavitz's town in Bale, and that's actually the the crown city. And he has to report back to Albert of um, you know the situation of the war, whatever whatever it was that he was doing before he got captured. Your team meets up with uh, King Albert. Albert kind of explains a little more on the war situation between Bale and Sandora. And the emperor who's ruling Sandora, which is Emperor Dole. Dole is sending out this uh, mysterious fleet of dragons. And is attacking villages with these dragons. With the army and the dragons um, heading towards the city itself, 
Lavitz is sent to a nearby fort called Hoax and uh, is in charge of aiding in the war effort there. Dart and Shauna end up actually going with Lavitz because uh, Dart really wants to help in ending this war. And I think at the time, they really think that by killing this dragon, they're going to end the war. Right, yeah, it's kind of a sidestep from his main quest on the... uh... Yeah, his main quest of looking for uh, the Black Monster. Dart, his original hometown of Neat, his birthplace, was attacked by this black monster, and this black monster leveled his hometown and killed his parents. So he was left an orphan and somehow managed to make it to Celis, where he learned skills as a warrior and then went out looking for the black monster. So that's kind of Dart's past. Shauna's past. She originally was friends with Dart when he was in the town of Celis, but they had been apart for about five years while he was out looking for the black monster. So uh, back in Hoax, Dart and Lavitz is stationed on a night shift. You can kind of hear the owls in the background and silence goes throughout the the area and he knows that they're being attacked so he kind of alerts everybody and that's when obviously the town does get attacked they end up pushing the enemy back but they end up getting attacked by a giganto named Kongol. Kongol attacks dart to the point where he's about to do a final blow on dart when that warrior from before rose she shows up and awakens darts dragoon spirit now, the dragon spirit is something that Dart's been holding on to. It's, it, all he knows is it's a shiny stone from his dad that he found in his hometown. When Rose awakens the dragon spirit, he transforms into this armored, winged knight who is given like magical abilities. Kongo ends up running away, and Dart passes out, I assume, from an energy surge or something. I don't know. Nobody else passes out after being awakened as a dragon. <laughs> Rose ends up knowing a lot about dragoons, being a dragoon herself. And she teaches Dart a lot about the dragoon, uh, teaches him how to fight as a dragoon. Rose ends up knowing about a nearby dragon nest. So the team goes to hunt down this dragon, and it's the dragon that's been destroying these towns. They hunt down the dragon nest and find the Jade Dragon, who's controlled by Graham. Lavitz ends up knowing this Graham guy. He's a former knight for Bale. They end up fighting, and with Graham dead, Lavitz acquires a dragoon spirit that Graham had. And uh, Shauna becomes ill somehow and faints. Because she's fainted, the team runs her to the nearest town, which ends up being Lowen. There's a doctor in this town who says that Shauna's been affected by the dragon's poison and can only be remedied by Dradini plant, which is only really from legend, according to the doctor. After walking around this town, they talk to an antique dealer who gives them some information about a shrine of Shirley. They start heading out to find this shrine. When they finally make it, they are attacked by a bandit. He's the protector of the shrine. When you finally do make it to the shrine, you find Shirley there. And Shirley is like a ghost, I guess. She's like a spirit of the shrine. She offers a way to save Shauna, but the team must prove they're worthy of, I guess, the help, surely, in the shrine. This battle frustrated me to no end. I think I lost like three times just because, or I had to keep redoing the talking segments. If you get one wrong, you gotta start over. Yeah, and it was really annoying. You basically, you are fighting her, 
but you don't really actually have to fight, and then eventually she quizzes you. Well, at the end of the battle, she ends up giving you a silver dragoon spirit, and she tells you that it will heal Shauna. So we go back to Loen and give Shauna the spirit. Not only does Shauna get better instantly, but she is also accepted to be a dragoon as well. So now we have Rose, Dar, and Shauna, all dragoons. After Shauna becomes well, the team decides to hang out in the town for a while. Dart goes down and enters a hero fighting competition, where he meets an old friend of his who is also in the competition. So Hoshel and Dart are in the competition, and Hoshel ends up in third place, Dart ends up in second place, and first place is this guy named Lloyd. There's no real history between Lloyd. He's just a really good fighter. They decide to head back to Bale. And Hoshel's he's just hanging out more than anything else. But then uh, as the team starts to decide to head back to Bale, a knight from Bale comes running into town, says that the king has been captured by the Empire. Hoshel decides to join with the group to go to the prison to save the king. Hoshel... He's actually looking for his daughter who ran away 20 years ago, which I think at some point you got to give up, man. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I get it. It's his daughter, you know, but I mean, 20 years, it's a long time searching. So he does end up joining the party and going with you back to Helena prison. So you get back to the prison. You notice that the king has been captured by the warden who is itching to kill this this king regardless of what his actual orders are the team ends up making to the king before he's murdered and fights the warden after the warden's defeated a cloaked person shows up and steals some sort of item from within the king i think lavitz thinks that this cloaked figure is actually killing the king not necessarily stealing something from him, but is actually murdering him. So Lavitz jumps up and attacks, who then in turn stabs him with a dagger and kills him. The cloaked figure ends up revealing himself as Lloyd, and the team now obviously knows that Lloyd's after something. Albert's fine, the king, and uh, with Lavitz dead, Albert decides to avenge Lavitz's death, and he gives up his, his title as king. With Albert being part of the team now, he knows more about the war and what's going on. The party heads to the, the Black Castle. Uh, Emperor Doyle is staying at the Black Castle, and uh, the party is eventually confronted by Kongol again. Kongol then is defeated again, but is spared his life. Kongol's kind of left confused, but he just stands there, so the party moves on. And they actually get to Emperor Doyle, and Emperor Doyle, too, has a dragoon spirit. So he's able to transform into a dragoon, and you fight him. Obviously, the, your party's not going to lose, so you end up killing Emperor Doyle, and with his last kind of moments, he gives up information of where he got his dragoon spirit. And he claims that it's from this Emperor Diaz, who Rose thinks that this Diaz guy died 11,000 years ago in a Dragoon campaign. Now, we haven't really talked about the Dragoon campaign yet, but we will. Uh, Doyle also tells the team about Lloyd and how Lloyd is heading to Tibora to get more moon objects. The moon objects is what Lloyd stole from Albert's body. it's the moon gem while albert doesn't really know what it's for but it's it's a uh item that's passed down from king to king the team leaves the castle 
And with Doyle's death, the dragoon spirit that he had ends up going to Hoshel. So now pretty much everybody has a dragoon spirit at this point. And the whole time that people are getting these dragoon spirits, Rose, she keeps making statements like it's too, too much of a coincidence that they keep getting dragoon spirits. So obviously this team of seemingly random people have you know, uh, a bigger role to play in fate. So the team ends up going to Fletz. And Fletz is a town, Tembora, where Lloyd is supposed to be heading. This town has Twin Tower Castle. And at the castle, they assume that the, the kingdom has another moon object. They're looking for any signs of Lloyd being there, trying to hunt him down. At this point, they assume that Lloyd is scheming something. They're really just chasing him because he killed Lavitz, and he plays a bigger part in something, but they don't really know. With no sign of Lloyd, they head towards the castle where they meet Princess Emily, who turns out to be really rude and just not not herself, at least according to Albert who would otherwise know the family fairly well. They are not allowed into the castle, so they move on and find uh, Mr. Fletcher. This guy, he works in the castle as a astronomer. He gives you a lot of information about the dragon campaign and the moon that never sets, along with this moon child. A, a bit of that backstory The dragon campaign was fought 11,000 years ago, and it was a war between winglies and humans who end up being dragoons. Winglies rule the world, and they're trying to really beat back any other race or any other beings within the world to rule them. And the humans start rebelling back and manage to gain the dragoon spirits from the dragons who are more powerful but not quite as intelligent in that campaign the dragoons win and the winglies are thought to be eradicated from the world the moon that never sets i don't know i don't at this point i don't think they go into a whole lot of detail about the moon other than they they do talk about the moon child a little bit how the moon child is said to come every so many years to bring a blessing to the world. So uh, that's kind of what Mr. Fletcher is doing and and giving a little bit of insight on the history of the the world. But with no leads as to Lloyd, the team head to Danu looking for more information. Along the way, they come across some bandits who end up stealing Dard's Dragoon Spirit. And uh, because there's no leads to really find the bandits after they steal his dragoon spirit they just move on to the next town in danu they find that the whole city is being controlled by these this gang of bandits when dart does make it they meet up with a lady called kate and her fiance lynn had gone to fight the gang for the town dart is asked by the mayor who's lynn's father to go help him they set off to find this bandit who they they need to find anyway and uh, they come across a, a wild little girl in town who's fighting off some bandits. Her name is Maru. After she does her bit, she has a little bit of information about the bandits and where they're hiding. And so comes with you. So the team goes back to Fletz to go into the castle. Because the location of the bandits, you can't get in without the king's direct permission. So they go back to the castle and um, with Mr. Fletcher's help, they end up gaining access to talk to the king they meet princess emily's younger sister lisa 
who asks Dart to look into what's going on with Emily and her change in behavior. She says that Emily had got lost in a forest and came back and was just odd. So the team is asked to look into it. Dart notices that there seems to be a correlation between the arrival of the bandits in Danu and the instance with Emily. So Dart continues forward to hunt down the the bandit. Uh, Dart ends up going to the Valley of the Corrupted Gravity, which is the area where they couldn't otherwise get into. They find the gang, who is run by Gurich. Now, this this guy, he's a former student of Hoshel, so Hoshel knows him. They end up defeating this guy. And with Hoshel's final blow, he, uh, he knocks Gurich into a pillar, and this pillar goes to fall on the party when it's saved by uh, by Kongol. Kongol's been following them this whole time. Kongol wants to join the group to follow Dart. Uh, Kongol really wants to find a good, solid leader, and he feels that Dart is that leader. So Gurich, he uh, offers information about Queen Emily with his dying breath, and he says that Queen Emily is not who she says she is, that she is an imposter. And um, they rescue Lynn, and they retrieve the Dragoon Spirit, so they head back to Flitz. They're aiming to talk to the king about the fake princess, However, that day just happens to be the fake Emily's uh, 20th birthday. That 20th birthday is when the moon dagger, which is the, the moon object that Lloyd is hunting down, it's when it's passed down to the princess. The team really goes out to try and find the real Emily to rescue her before that handoff happens. They end up finding her inside a painting, which is in another dimension. They run back to the king, and the king stops the ceremony. However, the fake princess reveals herself to be Lennis. She seems to have some sort of connection to Lloyd, but she's definitely getting the moon object for Lloyd. And um, she just kind of flies off. With her flying off, the team suspects that she must be a wingly. So with the, the moon object being stolen, the king helps the team gain access across the ocean in the direction that this wingly flew off to. They jump on a boat that the king arranges and they head across the ocean. In the meantime, they run into a ghost ship and the ghost ship is being tortured by souls who had been attacked by the black monster. Shauna is somehow mistaken for some princess that was on that ship, Luvia. There's a demon on the ship, so they fight the evil demon on the ship. So after the team fights the evil on the ship, they go to leave the ghost ship. Dart and Rose end up falling into the ocean. They end up washing up on shore of this little island. Rose helps Dart make it to a cave for the night while Dart's pretty much passed out. While Dart's sleeping, Rose is reminded of Dart's father, who's Zeeg. They had fought together in the Dragon Campaign. There's a huge cutscene here where Rose and Zeeg and a bunch of other dragoons are flying around. Zeeg kills the leader of the Winglies and then gets turned to stone, and Rose is left as the only survivor of the dragoon campaign. But the next day, uh, Rose and Dart end up going to the town that's nearby, and there is a little kid, Pete, who is very ill and has to go to the next town to see a doctor. However, the next town is blocked by a uh, tide, 
that is being controlled by a sea dragon. So the party manages to escort the kid and his mom to the next town of Fenu. They get the kid to the, or they get the mom to the doctor, but they end up meeting up with the rest of the team nearby. With the kids safe, they can go around and look for more information about where the Wingley flew off to, and they find out that there's something mysterious going on in the prison island, which is said to have the sea dragon. So with that information, they assume that Linus must have gone there, and they head off to this prison island. At the prison island, they find Lennis, and they see her hand the moon dagger to Lloyd. And Lloyd spouts out something about going to Melisesnu, which is another region in the world. What's the world called, do you remember? Endinus? Endinus, yeah, Yeah, you're right. The team ends up killing Lennis, and with her final blow, she announces her love for Lloyd, but in the process ends up attacking Dart, but she still dies. And uh, Lennis, who has also has a dragoon spirit, with her death, the dragoon spirit ends up going to Maru. The team is left without the moon dagger because Lloyd has it, and they head back to Flitz. And the king is more happy that everyone's safe and that justice was served than the fact that the moon dagger is still missing. The team kind of celebrates. Uh, the king throws a banquet, Albert promises to marry the real Princess Emily after the journey is over. With the new information from Lloyd, who's, for some reason, he told told the team where he was heading to, the party moves forward to the local palace in Deningrad, and along the way, both Rose and Maru break off from the party, and the rest end up going straight to the Crystal Palace. They end up learning more about the Divine Tree and the creator Soa. Soa created the divine tree and the divine tree had fruit and this fruit is individual beings. They also do more research in the library and find information on the black monster and more about the moon child's lore. So they kind of find out that the black monster comes to kill the moon child. That's because the black monster doesn't want the moon child to give the blessing to the world. There's really no other information. Obviously, Dart is really looking for information on the black monster. I mean, that's part of his main goal in life. Uh, So in the meantime, Rose had actually gone to Neat, which is the town that Dart originated from and was attacked by the black monster. It doesn't really seem that Rose has any direction being in the town, but she does find a girl, Luana. Luana is also a survivor of the black monster attack in Neat, but she had gone blinded by the incident. So Rose offers to escort Luana to the Crystal Palace, where she's from. So in the meantime, Maru who also broke off from the party, goes to the Wingley Forest. She is trying to find her family. So this is the first time in the game that you find out that Maru is also a Wingley. She is not very well welcomed in town. They're all mad at her for leaving in the first place. All the Wingleys in town are kind of the last survivors of the race. They all want to stay together and stay hidden, and she branches out and is trying to make friends with these evil humans. The rest of the Wingleys are not happy about that, and they kick her out. So as she's leaving, she finds a, an old childhood friend of hers who 
sympathizes with her, but still wants her to come back to town. But as they're kind of talking about that, she she finds out that uh, the Divine Dragon has, has been awakened. And this Divine Dragon clearly is not a good sign. This was a great spot for a cutscene, and they threw in uh, the dragon flying off into the distance and destroying, or attacking the Crystal Palace. Uh, it doesn't really do a whole lot of damage, nothing's really major destroyed in the town, but it does startle a lot of people. So back in the Crystal Palace, Rose makes it back to town with Luana, who meets up with Dart. And Luana and Dart kind of share this moment, having been survivors of the Black Monster incident, just when Divine Dragon shows up and attacks the town. So uh, with the town being under attack, uh, Luana sends a party to meet with Queen Teresa at the Crystal Palace. Inside the palace, they meet Miranda, who is kind of this hot-headed warrior girl. She's part of... What do they call those? The sisters or the... The sacred sisters. Sacred sisters. There was three of them, the three sacred sisters. She's giving some of the knights uh, a rough time about letting the dragon go and to go hunt down the dragon. When the, the team shows up and talks to the queen about their history on being dragoons and the possibility of, you know, killing the divine dragon... Miranda is very skeptical of the team's ability to do this, but she really wants to see what's going on with this dragon, and she wants to kind of do it herself, I think. So she offers to go with. Rose knows that the divine dragon is way too strong to take on by hand. Lloyd had stolen a dragon buster. With the dragon buster gone, Rose does happen to know of one other item that could help the team kill the dragon and that is the dragon block staff how this dragon block staff rose somehow knows from her eleven thousand year history of um the winglies having it so she pushes maru to reveal that she's a wingly and to try and aid the team in finding this dragon block staff to defeat the divine dragon shauna ends up disappearing Shauna is found in this secret room and is strangely attracted to this mysterious Cygnus sphere. The Queen doesn't even really know anything about it, being that the Crystal Palace used to be an old, wingly city. With Shauna's condition, Shauna knows that she can't really move forward, she can't go with the team to fight the dragon, so she stays behind and Miranda takes her place, and even Miranda is accepted as the next dragoon for Shauna's dragoon spirit. So Maru reluctantly agrees and escorts the team to the Wingly Forest, where, again, she's not really welcomed very well, but the ancestor allows the team to go into the forest and meet with him. So they go in to uh, meet with the ancestor Blanyo. The team kind of describes the situation and... The ancestor knows that this is uh, it's it's a necessity to kill this dragon, so he allows them passage into this forbidden land to retrieve the dragon block staff. So they go into the forbidden land, and uh, it's this like ruined wingly city. So they make it to the dragon block staff, and Maru goes to grab it because it's like mounted in the ceiling, and just as they grab it, they come across the um, the. Grand Jewel, who is protecting the Dragon Block staff. That guy was a pain in the butt. 
Yeah. That's Mostly point. because there's not enough time between the Virage fight and this fight. And I had no idea it was coming. Yeah, and you can't use Dragoon. Right, exactly. So I use all of my all of my magic items on the first guy, because that's what I do. Right. I save all my items for the boss fights. And then I get to this Grand Jewel, and he just demolished me. I think I fought him like two or three times yeah, before I finally got you him. You have to. At that point, you got to use additions and then a lot of healing. Because right. his magic attacks are super strong. Right, exactly. Which is weird, because when you try to use magic on him with the Dragon Box You can't do nothing. Doesn't do I know. Anything. And then he turns back time. Yeah, he so does. He, so you end up losing levels. Yeah. yeah. It's annoying. Yeah. So, uh... After they get the Dragon Block staff from the Grand Jewel by defeating him, um, the party ends up going to... Uh, they get out of the ruins, and just as they do, the dragon heads back towards the Crystal Palace. Um, now, Blanio understands that there's a huge danger for the city, so he helps the team teleport to the Crystal Palace. However, he's too weak. So, luckily, the rest of the Wingleys in town understand the severity of the situation, and they all help use their magic to teleport the team to the Crystal Palace. Unfortunately, the team doesn't make it in time, and the Crystal Palace is significantly damaged. Most of the buildings are destroyed, but luckily the Queen and the others in the palace are safe, thanks to Shauna's odd power. She was able to keep everyone okay. So, the, the party sets off to the mountain of mortal dragon to uh take on the divine dragon itself so they make it up the mountain and they hear the sound of uh sword clashing and they find out that lloyd is already there fighting the dragon when the team makes it up to the dragon lloyd kind of backs off and lets the the team fight him with the dragon block staff, it it made the divine dragon really easy to fight. He was a super easy fight. Mm-hmm. I, I was expecting like this big like battle, right? And I beefed all my guys yep. up, and it was, so wasn't. Yep. The, as soon as the the dragon dies, though, Lloyd jumps to the dragon and cuts out the dragon's dragoon spirit and flies away again. Um, the party does end up chasing Lloyd this time, and Lloyd uses magic and shoots Dart and Rose off a platform, then they get saved by Maru, which is no big deal. But I think the the point of him using magic at this point was to show that he too is a wingly. And the team kind of understands that from the magic. Miranda knows more about the moon objects, so um, Miranda leads the, leads the team to uh, hunt down these moon objects at Kashua Glacier. Now, in the meantime, while... Miranda's leading the team to the glacier. Lloyd finds Wink again, who is one of the Sacred Sisters at the Crystal Palace. So Wink is actually being attacked by a, a Wingly who is really trying to get revenge on all humans for killing his sister. Lloyd is able to protect Wink and kill the Wingly with only slight wounds. And uh, Wink offers to take Lloyd back to the palace and help him get back to health. Lloyd then gets confronted by the queen. The queen is offering thanks, you know, for saving Wink when he grabs the queen and disappears. So now Lloyd has the queen in his hands, literally. In the meantime, the party's at the glacier. Miranda kind of leads the team to where the, the moon mirror is kept. They find where... Lloyd is keeping the queen. When they do finally find Lloyd, he transforms into the Divine Dragoon 
and attacks the team. They manage to beat Lloyd, and with Dart's final blow, Wink jumps in the way, and Dart ends up attacking Wink instead. Wink shows so much loyalty to Lloyd, and without reason, that Lloyd, I think, becomes soft. He aids the team in locating where Emperor Diaz is, but the Queen then gets word that Shauna has been captured by Emperor Diaz. Lloyd leads the team to Diaz in the ruins of Capital Velweb, and along the way Lloyd kind of explains what the plan is for the moon objects and how they play in everything that he's been doing. But Diaz knows everything, so Lloyd is not really saying everything that's going on, the whole plan, but basically says, hey, talk to Diaz and we'll, you know, just, you'll, you'll find more. So they make their way to Diaz, Dart trades all the moon objects that Lloyd had for Shauna's life. Diaz then reveals that his whole plan, which is resurrecting the 108th divine tree fruit with the moon objects as part of creator Soa's plan. So Lloyd attempts to attack him, uh, to attack Diaz. I think that Diaz's plan of resurrecting this other being wasn't what Lloyd expected. And I think he was upset about this betrayal, and so Lloyd attacks Diaz. Lloyd then ends up falling into the city below, uh, presumed dead. Then Diaz reveals himself as Zeke. Now, Zeke is Dart's father, but also Rose's lost love. Zeke then kind of reveals the full plan. And the full plan is the 108th being is called the God of Destruction. And the God of Destruction was originally split from his body and soul by the Winglies upon creation. The body is contained in the moon that never sets, where the soul then jumps from human to human as the moon child. Which I thought was an interesting twist, not just the Diaz-Zeke thing, which also threw me way off. I had mm. no idea that was yeah, coming. Yeah, me either. Also, the, the whole, like, you thought that the moon child was like this huge blessing that's brought upon the world and then you find out that it's actually this destructive force that is jumping from human to human trying to survive zeke then tells how the black monster has been killing the the moon child every time that it gets reborn and the moon objects that he's been creating is the only power that can destroy the signet spheres that are scattered around the world. Now, these signet spheres have the power to contain the moon, which is holding the body of the God of Destruction. So, Zeke's real plan is to release the God of Destruction upon the world, destroying the world, so that the creator can rebuild a new world. Along the way, he ends up uh, revealing that Rose is, in fact, the Black Monster. And the whole time, you're kind of getting hints and pieces that, eh, it's probably Rose. Just by what she says and how she acts and the fact that she went to Neat and was kind of, you know, paying respects, I I feel like, to this town. Her ultimate goal was to continuously kill the Moonchild to keep this God of Destruction at bay. Dart is obviously upset about this news, but is more focused on the task at hand to keep Zeig from actually destroying the Signet Spheres and releasing the God of Destruction. So Zeig tells Rose that she killed the wrong Moonchild last time. Princess Luvia is 
who Rose had originally killed, had a twin sister, Shauna. And Shauna is the moon child, the real moon child. So uh, Zeke steals Shauna again and disappears. So the party is kind of left to figure out where the rest of the signet spheres are and how to get Shauna back. Obviously, at this point, it's not just, you know, getting these moon objects back, but they're kind of in charge of saving the world. The next time you see the party, they are somehow in a desert. There was a disc change here. This is a four-disc game, and it seems like that maybe a few weeks have passed. The party's wandering around a desert looking for this wingly city of Altura. Rose clearly has an idea of where the city is and is trying to lead the team. Dart, again, he accepts that Rose is a black monster, but worries more about saving the world and saving Shauna than that past. Rose kind of explains on how she can live super long, uh, because obviously she's been living for 11,000 plus years now. She says that there's a spell underneath her collar which also can reveal the location of this hidden city. So they make it through a desert, but they look out and there's this span of desert and she uses the spell to reveal the city. So they make it to Ultra. The team meets up with Charlie. Charlie is the person who helped Rose make it where she is now. I, I think I think there's a lot more history between Rose and Charlie than they really reveal at this point. Mm -hmm. But they just don't give him any information. So Charlie also created the Signet Spheres. Back in the, the Dragon campaign, she made the Signet Spheres to keep the former king, um, Mel Buframa, in check. But he didn't like that so much, so he created the moon objects to be able to break the Signet Spheres to release this power. Charlie also tells them about the location of most of the Signet Spheres being in Wingly cities. Rose and Dart get a chance to talk about the Black Monster situation. Dart understands the significance of what Rose had been doing all these years, and how hard it must have been always killing these people. He says that the black monster is dead, that there is no more black monster, especially after what's happening now with God of Destruction possibly being resurrected. There's no need for the black monster anymore. The team is trying to get back to Rogue. Uh, I don't know where the lead comes from, and I don't really remember why they want to go to Rogue other than... I think, yeah, Charlie, you said she reveals where those signets would be. And one of them, she tells you what the, where the cities are, and I think that's... They know that Rogue is nearby or something? Right, I don't know. Right. So she teleports the team back to the mainland, and they have to make their way back to Flitz, the, the castle where Emily is. They board the king's ship, the Queen Fury, and make their way to Rogue. And Rogue is a town where Hoshel's from. And so Hoshel's well-welcomed in the town. They talk about seeing the stick out in the ocean. Now, Rose, knowing where the old Wingly cities used to be, she knows that that is probably not a stick. So they, uh, they take a boat out into the ocean, and they end up making it to this wing, one of the Wingly cities, the Aglis, the magical city. So when they make it to the city, they find out that it's under the ocean. Somehow they're able to breathe. And they find Savin, who is the last remaining wingly in the city. And he, all these years, he's been preparing for this moment, trying to find another way to seal the moon outside of the Cygnus spheres. He has a plan, and his plan is to build a psych bomb to destroy Zeeg and to use Moot 
to seal the signet sphere and it's also protected by it, the last kraken the psych bomb is built by courage so every team member has to go through a uh, courage test once they build the psych bomb Savin finishes collecting the moot. They go down to actually seal the signet sphere. Just when Zeig magically controls the last kraken and destroys the signet sphere, you end up fighting the last kraken. After the fight, Savin ends up dying trying to protect the party from the signet sphere's explosion. He ends up opening a teleporter to the next Wingly city that you're supposed to find the next signet sphere. So we got one, one of the three signet spheres is destroyed. They head to uh, the lost city, Zez, Zenbatos. When you first get there, you find a creature called Kulan. And he is like your... He's your airship. <laughs> For all the R- other RPGs, you get an airship right. and you can kind of go wherever you want. Which I thought was awesome, by the way. I I didn't like him, right? But I like that you could do that. Yeah. The creature offers up help to be able to fly to other areas. However, he's not able to fly to the next city, which is the Death City. The team needs to get to the Signet Sphere in the Lost City and get there before Zeke does. Well, naturally, Zeke does make it there before you and destroys the Signet Sphere again and then disappears. Kulan can't fly to this next city, so they activate a teleporter to teleport into the Death City. Each of these cities have a very specific goal, or a very specific task that they perform among the Winglies. The Magical City is where magic is made, the Lost City is where the laws of the Wingly are created, and the Death City is where all of the the dead Winglies, or all souls... Are collected and done something with. I guess they don't really say what that is either. No, it's just where the souls that haven't, I guess, haven't come to terms with their death. Yeah. There they find Lavitz's spirit, who is being controlled by a demon. So obviously the party destroys the demon and saves Lavitz, and they kind of have that moment of everything's good, you know, we're moving on sort of thing. I think Lavitz's soul was still in the, the Death City because he was having trouble coming terms to his own death and that so many things were left unsaid. So it was nice that Dart and Lavitz were able to have that moment of, you know, hey, you know, it's cool, move on sort of thing. They keep chasing Zeke to the Signet Sphere, but again, Zeke destroys the Signet Sphere before the team is able to make it to the town. So thus, the last Signet Sphere has been destroyed. The party is then swept up by Kulan, who is able to take them away from the town. The moon then falls. And there's an awesome cutscene with the moon falling from the sky. The divine tree then catches the moon, starts the process of awakening the god of destruction within. Just because the signet spheres are destroyed and the moon has fallen, the team doesn't give up. They're not giving up until they're not living anymore. So they continue pushing to find Zeke. So they fly 
to the divine tree and they climb up the divine tree and make it to the moon itself. In the moon, it's kind of this like alternate dimension where it grabs everybody's memories and kind of transforms it into the landscape. Every person in your party has to then confront their past and overcome it in order to advance. You get a lot of backstory in this this segment and a lot of understanding of where the characters are coming from and who they really are. Um, Miranda, her mother had left her when she was real young and uh, left her with her abusive father, who then ended up dying. Well, Miranda then was adopted by the queen and made a sacred sister and allowed to stay in the castle. But she still struggles with her mother and that whole situation. She's able to overcome that and, you know, come to terms with what her mother had to do. Hoshel is confronted with his daughter, who we haven't said yet, but um, his daughter is actually Dart's mom, which it didn't seem necessary, but yeah. whatever. Hoshel's daughter gets possessed by a war god, and needs to be saved by Hoshel. Kongle, he's the last survivor of the Gigantos. While his, his people were all destroyed by humans, he's still fighting to save all people, all life. He's confronted by his brother, who all this doesn't really exist as reality. It's, you know... Kongle is the last survivor of the Gigantos, but he's confronted by his brother. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense other than it's this alternate reality. Kongle fights his brother and receives his brother's blessing as a true warrior and is able to continue his journey to save the world. Rose fights her dragoon's dragon, uh, Michael, who is like the dark dragon. The dragon doesn't recognize her from the dragon campaign. Rose had originally rescued this dragon and named it, but now that it's come back and it doesn't recognize her, it's attacking her. And she struggles with revealing the dragon's weakness to Dart. And the dragon, otherwise, is super difficult if you don't utilize the weakness. Albert is confronted with his uncle, Emperor Doyle, who he had killed before, but this alternate reality thing. Doyle had originally killed his father. Albert, I think, struggles with that. Albert's father used to be king of Bale, now it's Albert, because Doyle killed him. But he confronts his uncle on why kill his father, and Doyle tries to convince Albert that in order to be a good leader, you have to have power. And Albert shows that you don't necessarily have to have power to be a good leader, but good friends and to put the people first. Maru, she is confronted with uh, an archangel. He has a very strong opinion on where humans should be on the ladder, I guess. He really sees humans as low and shouldn't be allowed to rule the world, that winglies should be the ones who are ruling. Maru tries to persuade the Archangel in what she's seen of humans, that humans aren't as bad as they may be depicted. I think it's supposed to signify maybe her inner struggle with who she really is as a wingly versus who she's coming to be with befriending all these humans. Everyone kind of confronting their past, they move forward. Now, we haven't really done Dart, because Dart didn't have one. Dart's confronting of the past 
is in Zeke, who's his father. So they go forward and they try to find Shauna and Zeke. Zeke ends up stealing Dart's Dragoon Spirit and uh, attacks the team. So the team has to fight Zeke without the Dragoon Spirit. But uh, just as Dart defeats Zeke, Zeke reveals he's not actually Zeke. He's this uh, Melbu Frama. Melbu Frama used to be the old Wingly leader and is now corrupted by power. He explains how 11,000 years ago, Melbu Frama got defeated by Zeke, contained himself in... Zeke's Dragoon Spirit and turned Zeke to stone. Zeke, over time, was able to release himself from stone and was able to live out his life fairly normally. He got himself a wife, had a kid, when the black monster attacked. He transformed himself into a Dragoon, but in turn, he got possessed by Melbu Frama. What, what I find funny is that the Dragoon Spirit was able to be left behind. So I don't know if Melbu Frama didn't need the Dragoon Spirit. Just needed a, a body, maybe. Just needed the body, needed to be alive again. And, you know, he's powerful enough with his magic that he didn't... I don't know. So Melbu Frama then is revealed to be Zeke. But now that the moon is transforming into this god of destruction, he uses Shauna's moon child soul to fuse himself with the god of destruction's body and therefore turning himself into the god of destruction his ultimate goal is to destroy the world so that soa the creator can rebuild the world as a new world his world really that's when lloyd shows up now lloyd again is still angry at Melbu for, you know, this deception and attacks. Lloyd is no match and Lloyd gets killed. Just before Lloyd dies, he hands Dart his Divine Dragoon spirit. Then Dart and his whole party go and attack Melbu. Now, the fight was very interesting, the last fight. We'll go into a little bit more when we talk about gameplay, but it takes, like, these... Ages or yeah, something like eras or something. First generation. Yeah, generations. Yeah. That's what it was. And I didn't really understand what was happening in that. I don't know if it's supposed to be time passing or I don't know. I don't know where they were going with that. It, it confused me. But uh, obviously, Dart destroys Melbu and saves the world. In return, though, the moon is gonna explode. So just before Melbu's final death where the moon explodes rose is able to help zeke up and zeke and rose tell dart to leave to take everybody and leave dart picks up shauna and rushes out off the moon zeke and rose then attack melbu and the moon explodes killing rose and zeke along with it's kind of this bittersweet thing. Rose and Zeke are finally together. They loved each other way back in the first Dragoon campaign. And it's, you know, nice that they're together in death, if only. But, you know, still, for Rose, she l has been living for 11,000 years. So, I mean, for her, she's probably done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, after that long, she's probably sick of it. The world's saved. Uh, Shauna survives. Shauna and Dart end up going back to Celis and rebuilding it. Albert does marry Emily. And um, Hoshel, I think, I don't know, do they clarify what Hoshel does? 
I think he just goes back to his town. Yeah, I think I don't, so too. I don't recall him saying anything about him ever reuniting yeah. completely with his daughter. Well, he didn't because yeah. his daughter died because it was oh, Garth's mom. Right. Yeah, so. that, yeah. Maru goes back to her wingly forest and is welcomed, finally. But yeah, that's, that's pretty much it for story. So let's talk a, <laughs> as if we haven't talked enough about the story. I have a couple things that I wanted to go over. I really found it interesting that there wasn't... And, and again, the whole reason why I did this whole story was... You didn't do anything that wasn't directly related to the story. You know, there was always story progression. Even if it was small, it had a, a big... It was a piece of the puzzle. You know, putting it all together and seeing it as a whole at the end was really satisfying. It's not easy to tell the story in a brief, you know, paragraph. Yeah, there's so much going on. Um, you could have given it a very vague overview, but it wouldn't have done very much justice. Even going at that depth that we went into, I think you could still hear that if you've never played the game, still play it and find a lot of stuff that... Oh yeah, you definitely. Know. You can you could definitely play through this game again and see little bits... I mean, we played the demo before we started the, um, the review, and even in the demo, I saw that segment where the black monster was attacking darts town and neat you hear zeke darts dad go in to fight the black monster you hear zeke activating the dragoon spirit and then a monster roars and it's like your first thought when you play the game is well that monster was clearly the black monster right well no probably not because the black monster is just rose right rose isn't anybody special she's not a monster mm-hmm. So that roar was probably more of a roar from the Melbu fusion thing that was going on, more so than it was, you know, a monster. So, I mean, yeah, you could easily play it over again and see a lot of stuff that you missed. So there's, there's a replay value in that. I didn't really feel lost when I was playing. They did a really good job explaining exactly where you needed to go. There was a few times that I got lost in the dungeons because... Each dungeon was kind of a puzzle. Right. But other than that, I mean, story-wise, I knew where I was heading. They made it very clear to give me direction. Yeah, and what's good, too, is there's some extras you don't have to do, but you can, if you have the guide or if you look it up online, you can go do it, and they actually do pertain to the story. Yeah, there was a part that I skipped where Shirley, right before you meet Emperor Diaz for the first time, Shirley is like, hey, come back here when you get a chance. And I never did it, because it's like, well, I don't have to, so I'm not going to. And that's where you go to fight all the old dragon spirits from the actual dragon campaign. Yeah, that's what I thought. And then you get some backstory on who they are. You get some good good armor, a lot of experience, a lot of money. And there's there's other things, too. But, yeah, there's there's a few little things that, you know, give you a little bit more explanation that you don't actually have to do. Some of the things that I didn't really like, they left a lot for you to interpret. But, I mean, that's, that's good, too. It's not necessarily a bad thing. But I kind of wanted a full, like, this is why. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know. There was a couple times in the game, and this might be more gameplay than it is story, the party, like splits up from time to time and then you have to go and collect them all again and i hated that i hated having to go find all these people over again and over again and over again it's like i mean you got little tidbits of more story individually but really the one on the queen fury was the worst oh that was probably the longest yeah span of when you were separated yeah you switched who you had in control of like you first, you were Shauna, and then you were Dart, and then you were Rose. It's just, it was weird. It was a weird segment. Lastly, 
I really didn't think Miranda was a very good personality fit for Shauna's Dragoon. Yeah, that's a big... As annoying as Shauna was, as far as always having some kind of problem... <laughs> yeah. You know, it, the separation from her and Miranda as, as people and their personalities was so far and away different yeah. from each other that it kind of would have been cool to see Shauna play it through, but you can't do that with the way the story ended up, you know. Right. You couldn't keep her, but... It was different. But yeah, otherwise, I mean, the story was awesome. I mean, I found myself many times being like, it's going on midnight and I have to work the next day, but I need to know what happens. Not that, you know, there's ever any satisfaction in playing for one more hour, because more happens. Right. It's still, it, it was a great story. Yeah, I had played, this is, I mean, it's been a while, but I think I've played, this is probably my third or fourth playthrough. Wow. Um... But even so, I remember it's been so long that I think I know what's coming. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I forgot that. about that. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. I gave the story a 10 out of 10. What, what would you give it on a scale of 1 to 10? I, I don't know if it's nostalgia, because this is, I think, the first RPG I ever played. Maybe that plays into it, but I have to agree is all the games I've played since then, that's probably one of my favorite story-wise. Definitely. It's, it's different. Um, let's uh, talk about graphics a little bit. It came out in North America in 2000. That's about Final Fantasy IX era, which probably means more to me and Kaylee than it would to you. If you, I don't know how much Final Fantasy you've played. Yeah, but, i played that once. Um, it's it's kind of blocky for the actual characters. It didn't really take away from the game, but I feel like they definitely invested more time and resources into the story than they did the graphics. That said, the pre-rendered backgrounds were beautiful in a lot of the areas. Yeah, I have to agree that character-wise, actual characters um, and regular gameplay were were fuzzy, blocky. Yeah. Um, I know they tried going the realistic route, where a lot of the early Final Fantasies didn't. So that, that was... A little bit rough to look at, but the actual, like you said, the, the pre-rendered backgrounds and the, the cutscenes were actually the cutscenes were done, very nice, done really well. There was some little details that I really liked. The characters' animation when they're just standing, they kind of twitch a little bit and they shift their weight and mm-hmm. they like move their hands, and I liked that. It wasn't while the characters themselves didn't visually look realistic, their movements made them feel realistic. Yeah. And I liked that small detail, but it was really nice. The color, too, in this game is really cool. Really bright colors. The cities that have water in them are really cool. The Flets, the Twin Tower Castle, yeah. that place was awesome. Yep. The white buildings and the castle, all the castles were really well mm-hmm. done. There was a few problems that I had with when you're walking around like a cave and you have to go to a specific area, you can't really tell what the path is. I found myself a lot of times running into walls because I couldn't really tell where I was supposed to be going. Yeah, I could see that. But otherwise, I mean, it's not, not awful, just kind of annoying. Some of the monster detail was not where it could have been. There was a lot of monsters that were like very glitchy lines mm-hmm. or um, oddly said segmented. But again, it, you understood where they were going with it, but they could have put a little bit more effort into the monsters, really. The characters looked really nice, like in the battles, but the monsters just looked... Some of them were really bad. Yeah, I gave the graphics a 7 out of 10. What, what do you think? Yeah, when you average it all... I'd say that the characters and the monsters, you're going to be lower than that. But when you average, you know, the backgrounds and the cutscenes in there, I think overall it did a fairly decent job. What do you think? Out of 10? Mm, I'd put it 
because just just for me, just everything mm-hmm. else trumped it. So I would say I'd seven and a half probably. Okay. Well, I'll jump it up to an eight. Eight. Why not? Um. So gameplay. Most games have a lot of gameplay, but you know this one's different. Mm. I again, it goes back to the story. The story was put so much focus on that a lot of the other aspects of the game kind of lacked a little bit. Um, the gameplay, I think it could have been better. The battle system was very unique. The additions were fun at first, but they got very repetitive and frustrating to me. The magic system was neat, but I think they could have done something else. I would have rather the magic system be like, um, if I threw out SparkNet, I want to push triangle, circle, triangle, circle, or whatever, you know, to activate it, instead of just mashing the button. Mm -hmm. You know, I kind of felt like, especially the way that I mashed the button... Uh, I could have been breaking all my controllers, <laughs> like, easily. But overall, the gameplay was really... It was nice. There was fun... The Stardust collecting was neat. Yep. I liked that concept. I did end up finding all the Stardust. It was not easy. No. It was annoying. I I got down to about... Um, I had, I think, five left, and I had to use a guide to find the rest of them. And it was like, I I found a guide online that had a screenshot of each one, and I'm like, okay, I know I found that one, I know I found that one. Oh, I haven't found this yeah. one, so I'd have to go back and yep. hunt down. What did it unlock if you got all the... I know it unlocked some armor or something, but... I was never earlier I was talking about there's a lot of stuff that kind of have a background more of what, what's going on. Um, and that's what the 50 Stardust does, it gives you some kind of key i can't remember where you find him but some other magical city and you fight an old wingley who apparently was as stronger stronger than melbu frama oh and you fight him and you get this crazy armor and and he's he's probably if you're not ready if you don't have the right stuff the hardest fight in the entire game oh yeah well, he can good. wipe you it's, out instantly. It's good that there's a super boss. Yeah. In most of these games, I'm just itching to get to the end. Yeah. I don't usually do a whole lot of the yeah. extra stuff, but yeah, I don't know if my guys would have even been strong enough to take them on. No, you have to have some of the legendary armor, otherwise you're you're done. Yeah. Like if you don't have that armor that's extremely expensive, you're Gotcha. I, you won't last two turns. It's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. There was a handful of mini games in Loen, mm. the like the market city. Right. They were really difficult, but it was just kind of fun that they threw them in there. Yeah. I liked the one where you had to dodge all the obstacle course. That so one was dodge everything. Tough. Yeah, oh yeah. That one's tough. You have to play it over and over and over again to even get the first level down. Yeah. And then you move on to the next level, yep. and it's even harder. Yep. <laughs> I think I died on that, like, several times. And afterwards, the lady who's running that, she, like, gives you a hard time for it. It's like, really? It was hard, man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the monsters had a lot of uh, specialty moves, which I really liked. You know, you have the magic system, which is really just, like, items that you throw out. But a lot of monsters had their own moves. Mm -hmm. Or enemies, not just monsters. Like, the sea dragon had this, like, mix... Uh, attack with the wingly girl oh yeah and it was like this super attack just it, it was neat to see that yeah it kind of almost made me mad because you when you get the dragoons from them you, you can't do those you moves. can't do those moves like, man that move was really cool i know <laughs> i thought that too uh, what boss did you have the worst time with 
do you think? Oh boy, um, trying to think back here. I don't think I ever had much difficulty with any of the barrages. Yeah. It's one we talked about when the, you were going through the game that I can't think of. The um, gem the gem guy was probably yeah, my Yeah, hardest. yeah, that, that's probably... And that yeah. was more of a situation thing. If I had time to prep for it, I think it would have been better. Oh, you know, I take that back. He was hard, but there was an optional boss. The the second time you fight the Divine Dragon, I, oh, I couldn't beat oh, him. Oh, no, you're right. Yeah, in the Death City. Um, yep. He was hard, too. I, I thought I was... Shoot, I'll beat him, no problem. That's what I thought, too. And I, I, I beat the first two dragons just fine. I can't tell you how many... I think I used all my Angel's Prayers, and then I had to use all the revived Dragoon magic from Miranda, and it mm. was... I, my biggest problem with him was that he was too fast. Yeah, he was. He was, he was taking, like, four turns yeah. for every, like, one round of our guys. Yeah, and then you gotta heal everyone, and then you have a couple hits, and then he's knocking everyone out again. Yep. I did beat him, but... The first, I think I died the first time and I played it again. Uh, I beat him the second time, but still had to go through. I fought everything. him. I fought him twice. The first time I died like right away. The second time I put up a better fight, but by the second time I understood that my guys were just too slow. Mm. I was using Dart, Congo, and Maru, and I found you know you got Congo who's the hard hitter. You've got Maru, who does awesome magic damage, and then you got Dart, who you have to have in your party. Right. And um, it just... Maru's super fast. She's the fastest in the game. Yeah. But with Kongo being as slow as he is, it just... I, I couldn't get more than two hits in mm-hmm. before I, I, the Divine Dragon killed half my team again. Yeah, I did I did Dart, Maru, and Miranda, because Miranda's got the highest magic attack. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually had... At that point in the game, I think I had those legendary armors. I saved up money to get them, and that I think that's the only way yeah. I beat them because one of them puts your magic def- magic defense up like stupid. Yeah, and then I had another armor on that cuts physical attacks down by half. I don't know if it wasn't for those. There's no way because even with those, I had a hard time. Yeah, sure. So yeah, the good thing was is it was optional, and the chest that he's protecting. After you go and see Zeke, and whenever you do whatever it is that you do in that town, you, you can go back and backtrack. The dragon's gone, and you can get that chest. So, I mean, you okay. don't even have to fight him. But I don't even think... It seems like I looked up whatever the item was, and I'm like, ah, I don't need it. And I just oh, skipped it all together. Yeah, I think the only benefit is he gives you huge experience if you beat him. Oh, yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, where were your guys at? Do you remember? At that time? No, I mean, by the end of the game. I think... Dart was... They were all upper 40s. Dart was the highest, I think, 49. Yeah, I think I was about the same. I think I had Dart, like, 48, and the rest of my team was, like, 45, 43, somewhere in there. What I didn't like was the way that the experience was divided out. Yeah. It made it really hard to level up, and it was almost worth killing half of your party just to level up so that, you know... Yeah, it still gets divided up by who's alive, but the if two of your party members are dead, at least it's two less that it has to divide right. up by. And that was so annoying because yeah, you can't that, you can't sit and grind the way that it is. Yeah, so that's why that's one of the reasons it was so hard. Yeah, I mean, you could it was I mean you could get overpowered, but you would be spending hours and hours yeah. and oh, hours because yeah. like as you level up, you know you need more experience to get to the next level, and if you stay in the same spot fighting for ten hours to get another level, you know it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. They, I wonder if they have a spot somewhere that 
has like some crazy experience enemies or something. Yeah, but most but, games have like a loophole that you can utilize that gets you more experience. What I found it wasn't this playthrough, but it was a previous one. There is a place, but at that point you're already on the moon. Oh yeah, the, where where you fight Rose's dragon. Oh yeah, yeah. You, okay. There's a little triceratops there that you get two thousand. Oh experience. yeah, him. But but even that, I mean, you're already pretty much at you know an hour away, not even an hour away from the end of the game at that point. And you can't so, go back once right. you go to the moon. You can't go back. Right. Right. So what's the point? Right. Other than leveling, uh, if your guys are like way under leveled somehow. Well, even even that, you know, two thousand split two ways because it's just and it's only Rose and Dart at that point. Too, yeah. You know, so you know at that high level, you're twelve thousand experience to the next level. Yeah. Splitting it up three ways, you're gonna be there forever anyway. Yeah. The paths in the overworld, the like world map, I I. Why not just make it free to roam? You know, I don't like the paths. I guess that I get it because you have to, uh, they make you do the hurdles through the dungeons. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, most games can do that and you can just roam around. What's stupid is that then you could go back and forth on this thing, on this little path, and you can fight monsters in the overworld. Which had different monsters than just in each individual area. It's, It's weird, it was... That, in a sense, that made it extremely linear, but it's weird because it didn't really feel like that linear of a game. Yeah, I agree. It's very weird. It's like, it's linear, but you can kind of go where you want to an extent. Mm -hmm. It's just, you have to do a lot of backtracking to get there. And that's what made it nice at the very end when you got the flying guy and you can kind of go wherever you wanted. However, I went back to uh, Loen, that town. Commercial town. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I had to put disc two back in. Yeah, yeah, you gotta put the other discs back in, and that's where you get Congo's Dragon Spear. Yeah, 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 I did backtrack as soon as I got Congo. Yeah, I backtracked yeah. and got that. Yeah, backtracking. Oh, and just playing the game, you did a lot of backtracking through dungeons mm-hmm. anyway. Right. You would go through a dungeon and go to the town, and then they're like, "Oh no, no, no! You gotta go to this town yeah. now," and then you gotta go back through the dungeon yeah. again to get to that town. Yeah. That was annoying. But, I mean, ultimately, I still gave it an eight out of ten. I enjoyed the addition because it's so different. I don't, it's I, nice. Still, I don't think there's been a game that's had anything similar to that. No, not not turn based for sure. Not turn based. Yeah. I mean, you have games now that are more active. So I mean, you just you fight, you know, by mashing the X button or whatever right. you do. The additions are very different. I liked it at first. After a while, I had a problem with staying focused while I was battling. Because it would be more of a repetitive thing, like, oh, I'm in another battle. So then you can't just push the X button. Like, in most RPGs, if you're high enough leveled, you can just kind of press the X button and just attack, 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 attack. Where this game, if you don't do your additions, you're doing hardly nothing. Yeah. And you can end up dead in an instant and not even notice. Right. See, I I liked it in the fact that, you know, it was you had to do 80 successfully to get to the next, uh, mastering to the next one. But I, I wanted to see how different the next edition was. Yeah. So I, I did like that. Once you're maxed out, though, for a character, it does get old, hitting the, you know, seeing the same one all the time. Yeah. But there's an, enough characters with additions that... You can keep it fresh. You can keep it pretty fresh. And I did notice that what's nice is you could... If one character dies or is, like, real low in HP, you could just switch them out with another character and then keep going mm-hmm. in the dungeon or whatever you're in. That made it nice to keep yeah. it keep it upbeat with different characters. You just keep switching them out. And there is an item you can buy and equip that 
makes the additions successful. But it's it, it half, does half damage. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't give you any SP. Yeah. Or it does half SP and half damage. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it doesn't even count for your additions. Oh, it didn't. Nope. I didn't know that. Yeah, because I've never used it. I looked it up because I thought, well, you know, I'm I was having trouble with one of um, Albert's. And I got frustrated, and I'm like, I'm going to attach this and just plow through this one so I can get to the next one and see if it's any better. And, yeah, no, it didn't It didn't count. <laughs> no. So it was like, no, there was no point. Right. And it was doing half damage and half SP, and right. it was just like, ah, oh, it was pointless. Then you got the Dragoons, Magic and Attack. Yeah, and their their additions. Yeah, that was fun, too. Their additions were different in the, the wheel that you had to mm-hmm. click the X button. I couldn't ever really tell. Did it speed up? Yeah, it got faster every successful. Yeah, that's what one I thought. But it was like I couldn't really tell. But it was like it felt like it was going faster, yeah. and I I was pushing it faster. But then I would fail. So it was like I didn't know if I was pushing it faster, and that's why I failed, or if it wasn't going faster. And I don't know. <laughs> I I don't know. It just it seemed like it was going faster, yeah. but I couldn't really tell. But yeah, I gave it an eight out of ten. What What do you think? Gameplay? Yeah. I, I personally liked it quite a bit, so mm-hmm. I, I think I'll give that a 9. So, um, music. I I loved the music of this game, man. I as soon as as soon as the game starts up on disc one, you got that awesome like intro and the theme song yep. and the mishmash of all the cutscenes and it's just it sets the mood and it's so cool. Yeah, it's kinda haunting in a way. Yeah. Like you feel like it's ominous, like the the story's just dark. There was a few spots that it was like, Oh, it's the same town theme again mm-hmm. or it's the same castle theme again. Which is the only reason I gave it a nine out of ten and that was the only reason why I docked at a point was because it did have that repetitiveness to it that I I really don't like repetitive music yeah I liked that they changed the battle theme from time to time that made it really nice when you're used to the battle theme and it's like oh battle oh battle and it's just they they throw that little twist in there just changing the music it's not much but it's enough to be like this is different you know changes the mood yep some of the bosses had pretty cool very cool music yeah very cool music. There was one I was gonna write down his name, but uh, there was one that it was like I was really digging the boss music, and it, the fight wasn't even all that long. But I'm like, oh. man, that was awesome boss music. Was it the Divine Dragon one? It might have been. Yeah, it might have been. Yeah, great music. I like I said, I gave it a nine out of ten. Yeah, I have to agree. I think I said the biggest downside. It kind of goes along with the repetitiveness. Is there's not as much variety as something you're used to, like a, a Final Fantasy game. Sure. There's a more variety of music. Yeah, nine out of ten too. Yep. Um, and then overall, overall is just how every every aspect of the game plays together. I really feel like they clearly focus on the story, which is so nice. There's been so many games, even modern games, like Final Fantasy 15. I, I love the story, but it's just not as deep yeah. as this. And I think. You know, it's this is a longer game. It, it took me fifty six hours to beat. Mm-hmm. It was all that's all story. That's very little side quests. Yeah. It's even battles, which I think you could probably get through this game with only doing minimal regular battles, just mm-hmm. doing boss battles. Because it's the only way you get experience anyway. Right. Just everything played together really well. The story was focused on for sure, but with the uniqueness of the addition system, the battle system and as a whole, really, 
It's very unique. It was a different take on the traditional Final Fantasy RPG, mm. which at the time, I mean, 2000, that was the RPG to be. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're going to do an RPG, you look at Final Fantasy and you say, what can we do different? Mm. How can we make this better? And they nailed it. It's just, this has been a great game. And a lot of it's nostalgia, but I don't, I don't think too much of it is. Yeah. Yeah, I have to agree, because going back and playing it this time, that's the third or fourth time, and... Yeah, part of it's nostalgia, but just for me, story is what drives a game for me. Oh yeah, um, I could look past graphics and and other things, but if if the story's not there, I have hard time getting into it. Every character seems to have something deep and intertwined. You know, they're they're all related. It's not just some random characters getting together for right. some random reason. Like everything's placed. Everybody together. everybody has their own agenda. Right. They're all heading towards the same goal, but they all have their own individual reason why. Yeah. You know, it's not just a, hey, you're doing that, I'm going to do it too. It's, you Yeah, know, and you get a real sense of each person's character and exactly. personality. So I think that's what really makes it a great game. Absolutely. Well, for overall, I gave it a 9 out of 10, which is more like a bonus, um, a bonus score. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I'll have to go 9. I nine. mean, it'd be pretty hard to be a perfect game, but it's... About as close as you can get. Alright, so uh, for me that's a 43 out of 50, and you are a 45 out of 50. So that's a 88. That's not bad. That's probably one of our highest scores yet. It's um, like a B plus, you know. Normally we play a thrift shop game review, or to review for each episode. This time around we did the demo. What did you, did you notice any differences between the demo and the game? I don't think so. Obviously them throwing in a little extra that... That you're not actually getting at that point in the real game, just just to show off, right? Kind of what the game is capable of, but yeah, I didn't I, really notice any graphic differences. Yeah, I, or... I think I said I think they could have done a little better prefacing the game, other than a little explanation at the beginning. You know, if they had thrown in that the beginning cutscene. Yeah, well, you know, I think if they maybe throw in part of the beginning cutscene and maybe some like clips of the story. As they're, you know, detailing it in text, I think that, that would have enhanced it a little yeah. bit. It would have spiced it up enough to be like, oh, you know, I'm really getting the background and right. I can see it. Right. And you can kind of show off some of the different towns and right. stuff. But, you know, yeah, to just have straight up black, uh, white white text on a black background yeah. is like, it's like reading the intro yeah. to Star Wars. It, like I said, looking back, if, if I would have seen that demo before the game, I don't know that I would have made it a priority to to purchase the game because I remember walking in the store when I to get I, I didn't go there to get that game I just was walking around the store and remember it was far enough back I was there with my dad and I saw they had it sitting up on display on the counter and I'm reading the back of it and, and looking at you know they had the strategy guide sitting there I'm like and it's four discs. I'm like, oh, this looks yeah, really cool. That, I like, think that's what drew me to yeah, it too. I'm like, four discs. Yeah, it must be awesome. I've never never heard of this game you know and i'm like i love dragons and, <laughs> and then bought it you know I'm, I'm i'm glad i didn't play that demo before yeah. you remember the uh the tv commercials that they had yeah where he cut his head off <laughs> you cut my head off <laughs> yeah. i do head. i was gonna look that up too and, and he, play it and... he picks it up he's like ah oh, stop being a wussy <laughs> What's funny is they made that that commercial. It's like nicely rendered, yeah, and they didn't use it. Yeah, why wouldn't you use yeah, it? Was... I mean, why not? I mean, even if you don't use that, obviously they're not going to use that same dialogue. But I mean, just to use that fighting scene, because that fighting scene yeah, is awesome. It is. 
and they don't use it in yeah. the game. Just throw it in. Right. Thirty yeah. a thirty second clip of them fighting would have been awesome. Yeah, I would I would highly suggest if you're listening to this to go go on YouTube or something, look up Legend of Dragoon commercial and uh, You'll find it. You'll you'll be cracking up. It's pretty It'll great. make you want to play the game. Just <laughs> just that commercial alone. Agreed. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for being on the podcast and putting up with playing the game for a couple months. Yeah, I enjoyed it, man. Yeah, it'd be awesome to have you on a little bit more. And um Hopefully Kaylee will be on soon. Uh, she's she's out for a few months anyway, so trying to find a couple special guests to have on and play some games with other people. And again, great having you on, and we'll, we'll be back next month for another uh, podcast episode. So thanks for listening, guys. 